This week on Not Sam Wrestling, we got my buddy X-Pac on the show to talk about being in the Hall of Fame. We got so much to talk about with Kofi Kingston, Roman Reigns, all the returns, figuring out, making sense of the WWE roster, and so much more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Yeah, hey, thanks for the Not Sam Shill sign on SmackDown this week. Did you guys see that? I tweeted out the video. One of you great shills. I think it was WWE Front Row was at SmackDown this week. And if you're watching during the Carmella R-Truth segment where R-Truth is deciding to do the triple threat with Rey Mysterio and Andrade, you can see a big Not Sam Shill sign in the background. Of course, if you want to be a Not Sam Shill, if you want to support the podcast in the best way possible, all you have to do is sign up. Be a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. It starts at less than a dollar a week. Way less than a dollar a week. It's like nothing. You can't give me a dollar a week to help support this thing? So much content. So much content to give to you today. Patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Or just keep being a cheapskate and enjoy the free one. Hey. It's going to be a good show today. You know why it's going to be a good show? I always get happy, especially happy, when Raw and SmackDown are good. When it's, you know, I tape these on Wednesday, obviously. They come out first thing Thursday morning. But Monday and Tuesday is crunch time. And as I'm watching, if Raw and SmackDown both suck, I'm sitting there going, come on, guys. I got to pull a podcast out of this. What are you doing to me? But... When Raw and SmackDown are good, I go, oh, I got a lot to talk about this week. No problem. You know, if they're lousy TV shows, I'm sitting there going, I got to sit in my studio for an hour just yapping to myself about what? About what? There's not anything to talk about on these shows. But when you got stuff going on like this week, I'm sitting there cutting stuff. I need five stories this week. Ah, that's sorry. That one's not going to happen. This one's not going to happen. It's all so good. Um, It's been a very, very busy week for me, of course. We did the big joint Not Sam Wrestling, Major Brothers Wrestling Figure Podcast War at Caroline's on Broadway. Uh, If you're hearing this when it first comes out last night, it was uh, Wednesday, February 27th is when it all went down. If everything goes according to plan, next week we'll be able to get in to everything that went down at that live event and talk about it and the whole deal. Uh, This week... We're going to talk about everything that's going on in WWE for the most part. But before we get there, we got to get into the interview segment. You know, it's Hall of Fame time. And I love Hall of Fame time. I love when uh, uh, the the names start getting introduced and the, and the graphics come up on Instagram. And, oh, he's going in. She's going in. We found out the Honky Tonk Man's going in this week. But last week we found out that DX was going in. And there's three reasons why I'm happy. Well, there's a lot of reasons why I'm happy about that. First of all, I'm happy for everybody involved. Road Dog. I don't know Billy Gunn, but I'm happy for him. China. Triple H, Sean, of course. I'm happy DX is going in. I'm happy. Here's the three main reasons. I'm really happy that DX as a whole is going in. DX shaped a lot of my childhood. Had me telling everybody to suck it. Nobody was sucking it yet. And I was telling everybody too. That's how young I was. <laughs> Um, but, you know, just the idea that DX is being honored like this, it's just such a cool thing. They were such an important part 
of wrestling when I was growing up. I'm happy that China's going in. This is a great way to get China into the Hall of Fame. You know, it's not, it, it allows uh, people that worked with her the most closely to honor her on stage. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, as much of a bummer as it is sometimes when the guys that have passed away go into the Hall of Fame. And it allows, uh, the WWE to have a little buffer if they're trying to avoid some of the controversy in her past that uh, maybe if she were a solo uh, member of the Hall of Fame might come up. But I think at this point, the legacy of China is what she did in the ring. I think it, as time passes, the important stuff is what people remember, and that's what people are remembering. But the third reason that I'm especially excited about this induction is because Xbox going in. I've been waiting for Xbox to go in for a long time. I think he could go in on his own. But Xbox, you know... I was hoping it would either be X-Pac or the NWO or the Click or DX. Just some way to get a ring on that man's finger. Because if anybody deserves a Hall of Fame ring, it's X-Pac. This guy still eats, sleeps, and breathes pro wrestling. If you're not listening to his podcast, you should. It's called X-Pac's 12360. It's great. There's a video version of it you can watch on YouTube. It's so cool. Uh, he interviews people, but his perspective is, to me, what is the most valuable thing. He's got such a great perspective on wrestling. But I've known him for a long time. He's done this podcast uh, multiple times. And I really wanted to talk to him about his life right now and the fact that he is about to become a WWE Hall of Famer. So that's this week's interview. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time since it was announced that X-Pac was going into the WWE Hall of Fame, he is here on Not Sam Wrestling as my guest this week in our interview segment. It's X-Pac. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. That fucking beard is in effect. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Damn, man. I wish I could grow a fucking beard like that. <laughs> well, on that note, that can only mean one thing with me back here on Not Sam Wrestling. Uh... A guy who's about to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, at this point, so like I always wonder, at this <clears throat> point, because you're, I mean, it's been announced. There's no sort of uh, uh, weirdness about that, right? Like you're not going like, oh, don't say it until it actually happens. Now that it's been announced, it's like, no, I'm, I'm about to be a Hall of Famer. You sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to lie, Sam, uh. You know, I kind of, I've said this already in other interviews I've done and that, you know, um, like I didn't, you know, I kind of thought maybe one day, uh, you know, DX, NWO, all the things I've done, you know, something like this would eventually happen. Just wasn't sure if I was ever going to, you know, be alive to see it, you know, the way things were going at one time, you know. So uh, now like this comes, right? And now I'm just like, Jeez, let me just make it. Let me just make it to WrestleMania. <laughs> let me just make it to WrestleMania. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but like, I mean, that's a real thing going on in my head right now, Sam. Well, I mean, like, it's trying it's... to trying to live until WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, I guess as healthy as you are and have been for as many years as you have been now, that would be like the ultimate irony, right? Yeah, man. And don't think I think about Warrior and like, you know, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm 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 pretty optimistic that you'll be alive for WrestleMania. I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's uh that's not good for for luck or whatever. But I'm optimistic 
that you're going to be alive for WrestleMania. I remember, I mean, I remember us talking about this. It might have been that weekend that that Scott Hall went into the Hall of Fame and you were you were saying that you hoped that something like this would happen whether it was DX, whether it was the NWO at the time you were even talking about even the Click going in yeah. as a group. But re- in reality, I mean, is this is this probably the best case scenario for you? It's the, it's what I okay I it's it's the most ideal scenario for me, mm-hmm. and and for for several reasons well not several a few. Uh, one of them being and I'll just get this out of the way like the thought of being up there on stage at the Barclay Center by myself giving a speech scares the living shit out of me. Okay? <laughs> so I want all of my friends from DX to be right there with me as a big giant security blanket. <laughs> so you're, you're not sitting there going like, oh, I wish I had gone in by myself. You're yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to get my no ring. Way. I'm going to get my time to talk, but I'm going to have all my friends with me. So we'll yes. be okay. In case I start shit in the bed, somebody could save me. <laughs> uh, no, I'll be fine. I just, uh, and also, you know, Sam, uh, I think one Hall of Fame ring is sufficient. And I, if I had my choice, I would much rather be inducted with the people, and I, this is, I've said this several times now, that I spent like the, the, the greatest time of my life with. It was the greatest time I'd had in my life. Yeah. That was the greatest period of time in my life. Well, I mean, in so many ways in my family life, my my professional life, health wise, it was amazing. And you know that, like, as you and I don't even know if you visualize this, but I've thought about it when they put together that package of who DX is and who the members are and why they're going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you've got to think that there'll be at least some portion of that Eric Bischoff promo from that first night back in WWE sure. in that package. Because I feel like that promo that you cut was what goes, okay, DX was here, but this is what the new version of DX is all about. Like, this is yeah. who we all knew then as Six-Pac coming in and cutting a shoot promo on Eric Bischoff, and now we're not going to sit here and play pretend wrestling this is like real life now. Yeah, and and um, yeah, I just think that was such an important moment. Like, uh, how do you say this without coming up? Like, that was incredibly important for DX to continue going uh, uh, with the momentum that that they had built up, you know, prior to Sean dropping the title. Was that scary for you to be okay? Triple H is going to come out on Raw. He's going to say DX isn't going anywhere. And everybody's going like, well, what is Hunter Hearst Helmsley going to do without Shawn Michaels? And you're the guy he calls out. Because the Outlaws, I mean, were not immediately full-fledged members. And and even on that night, I think it was at the end of the night, you guys jumped in the cage and everything with them. But in that moment, that first moment, the night after WrestleMania, when they said that DX is continuing... You were the only new addition, yeah. uh, uh, you know, immediately. Was there any part of you that was like, oh, my God, I got to go in and be the guy that goes, don't worry, we're going to be okay? No, not at all. Uh, I mean, as far as being accepted and, and getting a reaction, yeah. I, I was I was confident that the reaction uh, when I came out of the curtain would be just fine. It was once 
Hunter handed the mic to me. You know, I wasn't known as the, I'm the guy that rocks the mic. Uh, you know, um, one of the best guys, you know, I'm not one of the best promo guy. It wasn't my forte. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was like, okay, well now what? And, and when I, before I, before I went out there, Vince specifically said to me, they're expecting something big. Go out there and give it to them. <laughs> he didn't tell me what to give to them. No one told me what to say. No one had any idea what I was going to say. That's awesome. Included me up uh, besides a few things, a few key bullet points. Uh -huh. And it was rough. Like if you go back and you watch the actual, the whole thing, it was a little bit rugged, but it was real. Right. And people sense that. And by the way, that's that brass ring, right, that Vince McMahon always talks about. That's that moment yeah. that you have to be able to recognize. When, when Vince McMahon looks at you and goes, they're expecting something big, that's that moment where it's not like, oh, my God, I have to deliver because Vince wants it. It's Vince knowing that, look, this is the make-or-break moment for you here. Not because I say yes. so, but because they say so. I'm giving you the yes. opportunity to do something that's going to last forever. So go out there and make the most of it. Yeah. And... um uh, yeah, and it was just, it was that was that was such a crucial moment in my career, and uh, um, I'm just really grateful that in those clutch situations, I've always like pulled it pulled it out of my ass, you know? Yeah. Like, no pun intended. <laughs> with the ass thing, you know, yeah. Well, you know um, where we always end up going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, and there's been other times like I was just. I don't know if I don't know you follow my Twitter sometimes, but um, you know I tweeted out this clip of, of me getting choke slammed by Scott when, uh, when I was one two three kid, right? I was watching it where the ring had no give. It, it didn't give at all. Yeah, right? it yeah. was just ridiculous. Um, what was I? Where was I even going with that? I don't know. You were talking about your moments and making making. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that that moment, you know. Okay, first I got knocked out right there. Then a little bit later in that match, I'm supposed to dive off the top rope, flip on the Scott Razor on the floor, grab the money and haul ass. Well, that's when I slipped and fell, and I just I took a shit ate and ate it on this concrete, <laughs> at face first, uh, knocked me out cold. So and we were live. And that was so, so. So you were knocked out the first time when you hit the ring. Yeah. So you were knocked out and twice I in that match. Knocked out twice in the same oh. match. Oh my god! And that was the ten thousand dollar match. Yeah, and we had to go off the air with me getting the money and running out the door. And somehow we still managed to get that done. And it's moments like that where you got to either, you know, I mean, there was my career would have taken a drastically different turn for the worse if I would have never gotten that money. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think people necessarily realize as much now as I remember watching back then as like a little kid that like nobody that looked like you, there wasn't a spot for cruiserweights. Nope. In the WWE, like there had never been anybody that looked like you with the attention getting put on you that you were getting. There was no way that somebody that was your size was in a storyline with somebody that was as hot as Razor that was uh, 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 and, and it was going to end Raw like that. That Raw was going to end on you guys and that had six weeks of build and everything. It just had never happened before with somebody your size. Right. And it was and more than my size. It was my look. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when I came back from Japan, I was about 210. And, like, that's not, like, technically, you know. You know, there were some guys there that weighed around the same size. It's just they had much more 
mature looking physiques. Right. You know, I was still sporting a, a kind of a, you know, a little baby fat and still look like a kid. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. Yeah, yeah because, I mean, you think back now and you're like, oh, yeah, he was like, you know, this tiny little thing. But 210 doesn't even get you on 205 Live. No. People go like, oh, you were so small back then compared to now. Bullshit. Like, I'm 20 pounds heavier then. Maybe more. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was just the look of it all. There was something, yes. just the way you carried it. And you were right. You're a kid. Like, it, you, yeah. were, you were the kid, but you were a kid at the time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to diet. I didn't, you know. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, like, I was baby. I was bloaty. And, you know, I had a little bit of a gut. But you could still flip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sucked at it, but I could do it. <laughs> yeah, nobody else was doing it at the time, so why not? Um, did you – so did you at any point – when did you find out that this was the year, that this was going to happen? Like when did you get the the phone call that DX was going in? So was it last Monday they announced it? Yeah. So it was the previous Thursday. Oh, so you just had the weekend that it was like, keep it a secret, but on Monday we're announcing this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was so hard. Not Didn't anyone tell you? Didn't Kev, I'm pretty sure Kev shot you a text, didn't he? No? Uh, no. No, I didn't. Oh, no, I didn't know. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was surprised as anybody else. I didn't know. Yeah. I was, because I would have actually, like, you're one of the guys I would, like, I just decided I was going to keep it under my vest because, like you said, like, what if they just changed their mind? Totally. Right? Totally. And also right now, between now and Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you start going, that's what I'd be thinking, dude. I'd be like, that's why I would never, when I first did one of the pre-shows, I was like, okay, I'm going to tell people like a week before, but I'm not telling anybody that anything's happening before then because they changed their minds and all of a sudden you look like a fool. And yeah, I mean, I got the same, the same thoughts that go across my head. Um, but I was happy to be surprised. So, so you get the call on Thursday and do they just go, I mean, do they ask you or do they just know immediately, this is news, this is happening, and you're going to love this? No, 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 no. I was I was expecting a much different phone call, to be honest with you, Sam, because um, probably a couple weeks prior to that, mm -hmm. Carano hit me up about renewing my, my Legends deal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Really? Yeah. And so I said some things, you know, that I was a particular, you know, there were some things that didn't go that well for me. In it. Not right. Gonna lie. So you were a little critical about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought we were going to continue the conversation, like, finally a couple of weeks later. And so when Corona was like, hey, can I, can I, can you talk? And then he finally got on the phone with me like a few hours later. So well, you weren't end of, the, end of the day. You weren't even looking forward to this conversation because you were like, oh, Not I don't want to. Really. I don't want to deal with this. It didn't go well last time. You know, I haven't yeah, changed I, my mind. Yeah, not really. So, uh, but still, you know, I mean, anytime they want to have a conversation, I, I want, I want to talk. Right? Sure, like, of course, of course. Um, especially like if, as busy as they are, like if someone's actually got has phone time for you. Oh my god. Because I don't have phone time for anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? so, <laughs> Anyways, he called me and he's like, yeah, I just talked to Paul and, you know, WrestleMania is going to be, uh, you know, I forget. Or, he's, yeah, he said WrestleMania is going to be pretty interesting this year because 
I don't think it was interesting. I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember the exact word, but he was like, he's going into the Hall of Fame. Wow. <laughs> I, just, I just, I was like speechless, uh, Sam. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I don't know if they were recording it on the other end, waiting for some good sound bites. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, they got a lot of different ones anyway. So, um, <laughs> But I, I just expressed my gratitude and was just blown away. And, and you know, um, you know, I still am, Sam. Of course, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I mean, blown away by all of this. It's incredible. So they go, you're going into the Hall of Fame, and then do they say, like, and you're going in with DX, we're doing a whole thing? Oh, for sure, yes, yeah. yes. And then... Did yeah, you... it was like everything, you're going in, and 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 it, it was the emphasis that, you know, Carano put on it was and China's come going in with you. Oh, that's great. That's what I was going to ask because obviously yes. that's going to be in your head and in everybody's heads. It just like to me it wasn't going to happen otherwise. Yeah, so that's I mean that's a great that's what I was thinking. Would you what would you have said if they were like, "Look, we're putting you in the Hall of Fame. We're putting DX in the Hall of Fame. It's going to be you, Hunter, Sean, and the Outlaws." And we're not going to do just, it. I just like you know what? Like to speculate on on something like that that they wouldn't have done anyways. Right. Like, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. Because it it just, it was never going to be suggested if we were going in that we were going in without her. She was such a huge part of that. Yeah. As important as anything. Absolutely. I mean, it created the whole aesthetic of, I mean, originally exactly. it created the aesthetic of the group. And then, I mean, talk about adding that element of attitude into it as the group evolved and as, yeah. as China evolved as a performer. Like, I mean, I think that that was crucial. You look at what China was when DX first started as this kind of just silent bodyguard. And I have to give the utmost credit, the most credit to Stone Cold Steve Austin, because he was the first big star that told China, hit me with a flipper. And when she did, he went down. And sold the fuck out. <laughs> and if Steve Austin does it, how in the hell can anyone else in that uh, company go, oh, sorry, can't do that. Can't sell for a woman. Right, right. Because, yeah, because fuck she... Fuck out of here. That, and he knew that, too. I mean, he knew that he yeah. sets the example. Absolutely. That's amazing. And it was great. Yeah. And, and boy, and she had a hell of a flipper. It wasn't hard to sell it either, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's amazing as you think about like the way she evolved as a performer and a personality and injecting attitude into the whole thing and, and just she completely moved with DX and DX moved with her. It was really yeah. it was really an amazing thing. I think it's also, you know, I'm sure I gotta give like not I don't mean to interrupt you. No, but, go for it. Like, I gotta give huge, huge credit uh, to Paul for just having the vision of doing something different, and you know, not just doing the old. Okay, we need a heater. Let's get you know, let's get a new diesel or a new big Bubba mm -hmm. or a new you know, like traditional bodyguard, you know, uh, role. Fill that role with the traditional you know, one you would cast in that role. Yeah. Just great, like an incredible vision and 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 uh, and gamble. Well, not really gamble because I knew it would work. Uh, <laughs> you know, just to go out and do that. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, Something like, but different. but has he always been that kind of a person who will try different things and be kind of that 
that visionary because, you know, as a creative guy, I've only seen him and kind of known him and watched him be creative at this stage in his career. And at this stage, that's what he's doing. I mean, he's so smart and ready to try new things and see things differently and and go in new directions. He's been like that forever. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, uh, he knows like, okay, he comes from this, his life has been this way, like since, you know, he was a kid. And so like, you know, our life experiences like frame the way we look at the world and he knows that other people have different life experiences and have different points of view on things. And, you know, um, and okay, let me just give you an example. And you know, he was always there for me in my worst times, you know, like, um, I remember he came out here to LA when I needed, I was, I needed to go to rehab. Um, he came out here and got me and flew me to Atlanta and put me in rehab. Wow. This is before I've told this story a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I'll make it short. Uh, he put me, you know, him and Vince both split the cost. They put me in rehab. This is before, uh, wellness policy stuff. Oh, wow. So this so, wasn't even like a company thing. This was, he, he dipped into yeah, his yeah, pocket yeah. and did it. Yeah. Him and Vince. Yeah. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah. And at least I shit all over the help that they paid for. Like, you, I mean, I wasn't ready for it, but I asked for it. Yeah. So, uh, um, but like, I'm anyways, it still paid off in the end. Well, that, not only did it, it pay off in the end, but I'm sure like it, it, it lets you know that like this, these guys are your family. Like yeah. so anyways, what I was getting at, the point I was trying to make is, is Paul, like he can't relate to any of my problems or struggles or, or traumas, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, I just, I never had any problem. Like I, like, like I grew up in a healthy family and I can't relate to this, but like he still had sympathy and he was there for me, Yeah, you know, and he understood he didn't understand, but it was still a thing. That's part of it. I mean, that, 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 that's the part that people don't get so often, right? Is that just because you don't understand doesn't mean that you shouldn't understand that you don't understand. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he understands he doesn't understand a lot of things, and a lot of people don't, you know? Of course. So, I mean, and I'm sure that his uh, upbringing and, and the way he lives his life is, is somewhat foreign to you. Well, it's pretty cool, though, because uh, both of his parents are, are still together. And right. They're still married, and, like, man. And, I mean, that's a testament to, like, okay, you know, keep a fan, keep keep your family together, right? Raise your children and like, like good shit happens. Yeah. I mean, as I've gotten older, like that's something that I've been thinking about more and more is that that's the secret advantage. It's not about like how much money you come up with or, or going to this school or going when you have a solid family and good parents, like it's such an advantage to go into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's, and that's one perfect example of it, you know? And, and, and it's also an example of like, Okay, like, because of all that, like, he didn't feel the need to, uh, to self-medicate, like, and, 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 like, like, his reality is pretty good, like, right, he doesn't need to fuck it up with, you know, chemicals to be able to, you know, get through it on a daily basis. Right. Now, have you, and, and you clearly, I mean, you know, and we've talked about this before, but, like, I feel like you must be at this point that you see since, since kind of living this life where you're you've been clean for all these years i mean looking in from the outside and looking at a at sort of a a a macro view of it not going you know piece by piece but just looking at the big picture 
your life has been pretty amazing since since cleaning up your act. It's you know honestly even the shitty parts have been pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, looking back, yeah, it sucked at the time, and a lot of consequences for a lot of people. Um, and so I don't mean to like make light of any of that. Of course. But just like the overall story is just, it's fucking mind blowing. And it's my story. It's sometimes yeah. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, sometimes I just tell like stuff to people that I've told a bunch of times. So it just, it flows real easy, you know, out of my mouth and I'm totally comfortable talking about being molested or, you know, hanging myself or a lot of these things, you know, um, and it blows some people away, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know? And and then I'll be, like, embarrassed to talk about something silly. Like, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't come up with an example. But there are some things that people go, so you'll talk about this, no problem. But then you have a hard time spitting this out. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, I mean, it's but that's, again, that's going back to your life experiences where you're like, this has just been, it was my reality. And for the rest yeah. of us, it's so far away from what we consider reality. But this is just... This is your life. But it's also like I feel like people should pay attention to your story, especially people that are going through a rough time because there was a time going through it right now. Yeah, because there was a yeah. time when you were synonymous with bad habits. You were on you were on the, you know, the, the death watch list. You, you I mean, you yeah. were the one that people were like, he's just never going to get out of that hole. Never. And before you walked in a room, it's like, here comes X-Pac. You, they weren't talking about wrestling. They weren't talking about this. They were talking about drugs and, and, and everything else. Now, and what not, a shame it was, but you know, yeah, you know, it was a sad thing. Yeah, so sad. Now yeah. I feel like you, what you're famous for now is walking around everywhere with an adorable dog. And when people think about your past, they're really just thinking about the good times. They're just thinking about the stuff they loved watching, you know, on wrestling. They're thinking about DX and the NWO and the One Two Three Kid. Like as time has gone all the good stuff and all the stuff that you're doing now is kind of diluting all, all the stuff that defined you for all those years. Yeah. You know, and it's like Kevin said, you know, under Garrow, he's like, Hey, it's your story. You tell it. Exactly. You know? And, and yeah, God damn. I mean, that's so true. Like don't let other people tell your story. Yep. And, you know? and you decide when it's over. Like your story, exactly. like, like that thing, your story is not even close to done being written. Like no. you're you're on you're on you're midway through the story maybe there's a lot of chapters left to go, which is just crazy because like I think about writing the book and it's just like it's such a monumental task. I mean, Sam. yeah, it seems like with you and you you're one of the guys who you'd need volumes like an encyclopedia. And there's a lot like okay, and because things are they come out of my mouth so easy and I have no problem telling them, Sam, mm -hmm. like. Um, you know, it doesn't like traumatize me bringing some of this stuff up. Right. But have you ever heard of vicarious traumatization? No, but I'm, I haven't but heard of it. Fucking but it's a thing, Sam. Really? And, and yes, because I'm going to tell you, um, like, uh, you know, Kevin was trying to work on my book with me. Kevin Undergaro. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just the, the stories, like just, I mean, just a, a handful of things and it's just like it it fucks a person up that's that's listening to this trying to write this book you know he called me and you he know? and he and he was talking at one point this you know it was probably several months ago whenever it was that he was working on it and he was like oh, i just i need an escape i've been talking to sean about his stories for his book and it's and it's really dark it's really 
put me in this spot. Like you're right. I mean, and I, I didn't know what the, what the clinical name for it was, but I'm sure it's a thing. It's an, it's absolutely. And, and so like, yeah, um, it's just a lot, you know, maybe need more than one person to help me with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just have people take over sections yes. and nobody has to deal with the whole Here, thing. Tag in, tag in. <laughs> have you thought about that more now that you're like going into the hall of fame, it does put you on a different level of whatever, you know, of, 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 of of personality of superstar of, of WWE, you know, there, there's a place in the book to go. Okay. This is where I was. And now I'm here. Exactly. Have you, have you thought about the fact that like the, the, a book yeah. or something like that is kind of the natural jump off point of yeah. going because into the hall the, of fame? Because the last one of those moments, I really felt like I had with a company was us doing that WrestleMania uh, thing with Connor and yep. Sting. Yep. Yep. So this is really actually the, the perfect spot. Yeah, and I mean, and the Hall of Fame, I mean, as much as WrestleMania moments last forever, like the Hall of Fame literally lasts forever. You're always going to be able to take a picture, hold it with that ring on your finger. It's always going to say Hall of Famer, WWE Hall of Famer, X-Pac. Like that's that's a, one of those things, you know, when, when we're doing stuff on the kickoff shows or whatever, if, if somebody's in the Hall of Fame, that's how they're introduced. No matter when they went in, no matter what else they did, it's WWE Hall of Famer. Booker T, WWE Hall of Famer, Beth Phoenix, WWE Hall of Famer, uh, X-Pac. Have you thought at all, or do you know at all what the process is going to be in terms of figuring out who's going to induct you? Is that something that WWE is going to decide? Is that something that you guys are going to decide as a group? Are you going to leave it up to Hunter and Sean? Uh, do you have any preferences? Yeah. Well, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they asked me a question like that, and... You know, just something popped into my head was, you know, what kind of be cool if Mike Tyson did it, you know? I was I mean, thinking that, Mike Tyson. You yeah. know, because just, you know, he was such a huge part of why DX, you know, was successful and, like, gave it such a such an early, like, huge gust of wind in its sails, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And plus, he's just a great guy. Like, I mean, I think, you know, and... And he did a great job when uh, he when he accepted his uh, uh, Hall of Fame induction at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely so, did. Uh, so yeah, I'm I mean, about that. Yeah, I think Mike Tyson is a good one. And then the other one that I came up with, the only other one, because some people have said uh, Hall and Nash, which I think would it would work, and but it was. More like they would relate in the sense that their friends were living parallel lives from them. The right. person that I think that relates to you guys, probably out of anybody on the roster, is Mick Foley. I mean, I feel like uh -huh. Mankind was... We were a, there for his title win. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was a pretty big part of, of, of being with DX, and you guys hoisting him up on your shoulders, I thought... You know, for the cover of the magazine and everything, it really symbolized like DX is the big popular good guy group, mm -hmm. and these guys are hoisting him up to let you know that mankind is the king of the good guys right now. Yeah. See, the the thing is, is uh, some things were explained to me uh, when we went over the, you know, when 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 Carano, you know, told me the the news when he broke the news to me, he told mm -hmm. me like some things are going to change about the ceremony. Uh, you know, obviously there were some things that were problems you know pretty much all the hall of fames but especially last year yeah i mean last year guys just you know taking their sweet time and, 
and and it and it became an issue because when poor Goldberg and Mark Henry go up, yeah, people are clearing out, and I mean, you know, the pictures are out there. The aerial shot, I remember, because I I lasted, I, I stayed for the whole ceremony for everybody's speeches, and it was one of those things where very few people did just because. Guys went for so long and it lasted for so long. And unfortunately, you know, those aerial shots, because all the WWE personnel are sitting on the floor, you've got most of the floor empty while guys like Goldberg and and Mark Henry are. are, It was just so sad. Yeah. It was so selfish. Yeah. So selfish. Um, You know, it's one thing where, you know, the Dudleys and and they had a pretty long uh, segment there. But, but they did theirs like a good wrestling match. There were there were stages in that in that thing, you know, and it was entertaining the whole time, and no one was bored and and not knowing who the fuck is this guy even talking about. Yes, you know. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I get a little wound up when we talk about all this. No, <laughs> you should. <laughs> it was just so selfish. Yeah. It was so selfish. You mean for the guys, for the guy, not like the dozens, for the guys who go on and just kind of ramble and take their sweet time. And it's like, I know that this is your one moment that you're getting and it's been a while since you had a moment, but there's a lot of guys waiting to go up there and and you're taking up their time. And you know, if you're doing one of these speeches, right, right, because you know that when you're doing one of these long speeches, just because you have the audience, you know, they're leaving as soon as, as soon as the, the lights go down and the music hits Everybody's getting up to go to the bathroom and nobody's coming back. Yep. Uh, just, uh, yeah. yeah. So. so they are. You, but so anyways, yeah. th- things are going to change. There, I, there may or may not be an in, inductors. Oh, interesting. Meaning they may just, uh, whoever's hosting. Well, I mean, whether I've seen some inductors induct take 30 minutes to fucking give their inductor speech. That's a good point, too. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm telling you. Scott Hall, your 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 buddy Scott Hall put everybody to shame in the sense that look, when Scott got Hall his shit in, he got all the stuff he needed to say in. Everything. Everything. And it's a classic speech. He was a hundred percent right on. It was a classic speech. Everybody was waiting for it. Not only was it Razor Ramon, one of the biggest guys ever, it was Scott Hall, one of the biggest guys in WCW. And it was one of the greatest stories of, like we were just talking about with you, you know, going from something so dark to something so good. It was like you could have gone out there and just sucked all the time out of the room if you wanted to. But he went out there, he got his shit in, it took him 20 seconds, and he was out the door. And it was like, yeah. That's how yeah. you make an impact. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and uh, and um, you know, I want to talk. I want to mention real quick how um, how like the the other really cool thing, like coolest thing about this is to me mm-hmm. is uh, uh, Road Dogs. Road Dog, um, you know, he inducted his father mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame, and now his father's going to be able to see him inducted. It's amazing. And that's fucking huge to me because I just love that whole family so much. And Road Dog's another one that, like, his story is unbelievable. And you talk about good things happening to a good guy. Like, it's just so, it's so cool. That's kind of the story of a a lot of you guys in DX. Like, it's it's really, I mean, the story of the group is amazing, but then individually. And when you look at that, honestly, you could absolutely say – X-Pac, one, two, three, kids, six-Pac, like you, there's no doubt about it. You could go into the Hall of Fame by yourself. I think 
you know, you want to be humble, but I think you know that. The Outlaws could go into the Hall of Fame by themselves. China could go into the Hall of Fame by herself. I think Hunter eventually, it'll be, you know, he eventually he should go into the Hall of Fame by himself. Like the I, whole, I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think he'll ever put him? He'll ever put himself nope. in? No. Nope. The same way Vince will never go in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, everybody in that group could go in individually. You don't need to go in as a group, but the fact that you are going in as a group is, I think, actually adds to everything. It does. And, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I wouldn't want it any other way, mm -hmm. Sam. I honestly wouldn't, man. It's like, this isn't just me saying the things that, you know, sound good. You know, oh, right. oh, that's real nice of him being humble. Like, this is legit exactly how I feel. Like, people that know me know I don't bullshit like that. Like, I don't just say, you know, because, like, people, like, I just said something about this yesterday. People are going, well, what about this person? They were with DX. What about Rick Rude? Rick mm -hmm. Rude fucked off. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. He fucked off, like, on bad terms. And yeah. it was like, fuck these guys. Yeah. So I don't understand that one. Right, I mean that's you not that he wasn't part of the family of DX. Yeah, huge Rick, huge Rick Rude fan. Right, he's in the he's in the Hall of Fame. Right, right, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it does. He doesn't fit. He never fit with DX in the first place. Yeah, it was always a weird thing, especially you had China. You don't need Rick yeah. Rude because he wasn't going to do anything. Right, because he couldn't because he was collecting a Lloyd's of London insurance policy. They were just giving him something to do. And honestly, when you think and he wasn't even uh, like, sorry, Sam, no, go ahead. Like, like he wasn't even on the same page as them. Like all that shoot promo, like shooting, like shooting, you know, like real, real life issue stuff. Like, like he was like, that was all totally foreign to him. He's like, what? You know, like <laughs> I heard all about it. Like, so it was like, you know, he was kind of like definitely not a DX guy. Yeah. But he was a DX. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. It makes 100% sense. Yeah. And when you look at it, like, really, out of, you know, you, Outlaws, China, Sean, Hunter, when you think back, like, those are the times that people love. Not to say that, that people didn't love when you guys weren't in DX, but but you think back and you go, X-Pac, I remember him in DX. Hunter, I remember him in DX. Sean, I remember him in DX. When you think back on Rick Rude, you think of 80s, WWF, yep. What I'd like right now is for all you. That's that's Rick Rude in Bad his prime. Out of shape. Insert the name of the town. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the Rick Rude that went into the Hall of Fame. That's the one that should have gone into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, and, you know, um, you know, Tori, who was my valet slash manager, you know, mm -hmm. for the heel run, and the, you know, was it 01, I think that was. Yeah. But like, she was great, and she's definitely going to be uh, thanked and mentioned. Yeah. You know. Up there by me, for sure. Mm -hmm. hey, so. How long do you think you're going to, like, in your head, there's, what, five of you up there. Well, there's Sean and Hunter and the Outlaws and you and then maybe somebody representing China. There's five or six of you guys up there. How long do you realistically think that you as an individual are going to go? Uh, no more than five minutes. Right. Right. And, and, and it's one of those things, like, Get it in, go I, on. You get one more get chance to make an impact. Yeah. I could get a TV match done in less than five minutes. I can get a goddamn <laughs> Hall of Fame acceptance speech done in under five. Hey, what do you think? And we're going to talk about it this week on the podcast, but what do you think of uh, of what's going on 
with the roster in WWE right now? Because they are, I mean, more so, I feel like, than any year. As they're going into WrestleMania right now, I feel like they're just going, you know what? We're not going to commit to who the biggest star in the company is. I mean, you look at it like just in three weeks, they've elevated Kofi Kingston. They've brought in Aleister Black. Gargano, Ciampa, Ricochet. They brought back Kevin Owens. Roman Reigns is coming back. Batista is coming in. Like all this stuff, plus everybody that's already been on the roster this entire time. Yeah. Um, I don't think they. I think okay for for Kofi. Kofi elevated himself more than anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, they gave him the opportunity. Yeah. But you know, like uh, I really think that it was just you know he capitalized on a sad, uh, unfortunate situation with Mustafa. You know, getting being hurt, and you know, like Kofi wasn't figured in in that until like no Mustafa got hurt. But they're, they are capitalized on it, and good for him. And they're going That's, with it, right? Yes. They they there there have been times in WWE where even if you capitalize it, they just don't go with it. Like right. this, like they're 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 in a phase right now where they're going with it. And the funny part about that to me is like. I mean, yeah, you go with it, but you still have to pretend like you're not going with it on TV to get heat. Of course. And to give, <laughs> and to give the baby base some obstacles to overcome. Right. But, you know, you got people already going, oh, Kofi got screwed. <laughs> like, this is bullshit. But it's kind of... Like, you know, it's part of the show, you guys. But Jesus. It's, it's kind of great, though, because they're finally figuring out a system of good guys and bad guys where they're actually getting people to cheer for good guys and boo bad guys yes. and get upset when bad things happen. Like Charlotte is getting booed on the internet, on YouTube. Her views are getting disliked on, okay. on, you know, on Twitter. She's getting trashed and she's Thank a, you for bringing that up. Yeah. Because Charlotte is the perfect example. I want, I want to make here like online, uh, uh, like the internet wrestling community online, like he, like outrage mm. is the new heat. Yeah. Is <laughs> the new heel, is the new booze. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's yes. So it's all working perfectly according to plan. I, I, I agree. 100%. They just don't know they're being, they just don't know that that's what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it, that's their new way of booing guys. It's amazing. And it took, I feel like it took several, it took years to really, wrap the head around what how social media impacts wrestling and blah 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 but they're they're really starting to get a hold on the fact that so you like, understand what i'm saying by, by this right yeah 100 percent. i mean okay. that's the way i that's I the way some people are going oh what do you mean it's the new like booing it's no i mean you're 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 now you're going and saying like you guys that have been too smart to you're getting it the, didn't work yes 100 <laughs> percent. they're getting people on twitter to not like the bad guys and to like the good guys. Like that's been yeah, the and mission. You're reacting according to plan. 100%. You're supposed to not you're supposed to be upset. <laughs> you should be sending nasty tweets about what's going on with Charlotte, right? You should yeah. be pissed off that Kofi Kingston is getting screwed. That is not right. And it's not right and it's like, yeah, that's that's the way it's supposed it's to be done. Thing, it's it's really cool, I think. Like I'm actually, it makes me excited when I see people going like, "Yeah, you're booing the right things and cheering the right things." And I'm with you when I say booing. I don't just mean in the arena. I mean on Twitter and on Instagram and and all on, the and, same, man. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's the new the new cheer and boo is clicking the thumbs down on YouTube when when the when the statistic came out and it said Charlotte 
just beat Roman Reigns for having the most disliked YouTube video on WWE's YouTube page. And this was like an old Roman Reigns video, not anything that he's doing now. But like, I was like, this is exactly what should be happening. The bad guys should be getting the dislikes. And and that's what's happening. It's great. But what do you think of all the, the, the new faces showing up now? From NXT? Yeah. Oh, I, I like it a lot. Yeah. I, I was just, it was a head scratcher how they were introduced the other the other week, though. Mm-hmm. Like, and and unfortunately, uh, the first night was in Lafayette. Oh my God! And, yeah. Oh my God! They were the shits. Yeah, yeah. Did and, you see? Did look, you see? I, did you see Pat McAfee's uh, YouTube video that he did? I did, and I saw Cornette's response to it, like making fun of it, like, "Oh, you're blaming, and you're blaming the crowd." Like, look, okay, you can say the product this or that, but we're just talking about comparing that crowd to the next night. Right, right, right. Yeah, both are the same product. Right, same company. You know, and that's all it was just saying relative to everything going on. They were the fucking shits. Yeah, yeah, because the shows weren't that drastically different between Monday right. and Tuesday. And I'm gonna tell you, and and I like it, and I think that it's gonna like light a fire under certain people's asses, uh, and because immediately, like after seeing. Uh, Alistair Black, Ricochet, uh, who else is out there? Gargano um, and Ciampa. Yeah, Gargano, Ciampa, all that. Um, like all the other matches, like the style, the in-ring style looked really antiquated. Yeah. It was like they were still relying on old ways and old routines of doing things. And then you're watching like Alistair and different guys, like all these innovative ways of going into the ropes and just all these cool things that that make that everything stick out even the small things yeah yeah my theory it's not just new moves and fancy moves it's new ways of going in and out of things yeah i mean just the way for me alistair black the way he just moves in the ring and the way he tells his stories and the way he the way he makes you understand the character while the match is happening i'm like i haven't seen that in a long time that that and it's and it's it's just so cool i'm 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 very into it do you think my theory here is that part of this, you know, obviously this is to get people excited about wrestling and introduce new characters and blah, blah, blah. But I really think that part of this is just like when any other company starts hiring new people to shake things up. I mean, I really think that behind the scenes, part of this is probably Vince McMahon and whoever else, which Triple H, I don't know. uh, No one's entitled to a spot. Right, making it so that the people who have been there for a while, maybe are a little less comfortable, maybe not, not thinking to themselves, well, this is my spot and I'm in the spot now. Like let's, let's start shaking things up and giving out a lot of opportunities to a lot of people and see, see who rises to the top. Yeah. So there have been some people in the industry that said there's no place for tenure in the wrestling industry. I totally disagree with that. Mm -hmm. No, I, I partly disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Tenure is important. But it can't be the only thing. Like, I mean, there's, you still have to bring it, and you still, like, you can't just rest your loyals on your fucking tenure. Right. You know? Right. Uh, so, like, it has to still be a thing. Yeah. You know, there still has to be, like, dues paid and, you know, okay, and all these years and, and this hard work. And so, you know, um, but still, like, it doesn't mean you're entitled to this spot. Right. Totally. Totally. 
Well, look, I uh, uh, the same thing works in podcasting. You know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, and nobody is entitled to being uh, the champion of podcasts. But I think that you should uh, you should be giving them all a try. And I'll tell you, one of the finest wrestling podcasts out there is Xbox One Two Three Sixty. And you know, I talk about it all the time. Like, you do great interviews, but your perspective on uh, on what goes on in in the ring in WWE and AEW in whatever it is, just your take on what goes on is is to me what keeps me coming back to your show it's just it's oh, thanks, it's so unique and and smart i just uh i love listening to it so i recommend I, it to everybody thanks man you, i uh you know people know i have guests on the show but a lot of these weeks like this week there's just plenty to talk about yes and um and and it's weird because like i'll have big name guests on and then i'll do episode with no guest and have a good subject and do better bigger numbers yeah, I mean, look, you are the guest. Like, I mean, you know, it's 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 Xbox. Like, you're you talking about a certain subject, and I was having the same conversation with Booker T when I did his show. He goes, "It's amazing. I've been uploading stuff to YouTube where it's just me talking about stuff, and it does better than when I have guests in." And I'm like, "Yeah, you guys, part of the beauty of you hosting a podcast and Booker hosting a podcast, and 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 guys like you, your caliber of superstar hosting a podcast is." That you guys are guests. You guys are the guys that I bring in to try to get my numbers up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. you're good. You're good to get your own numbers up on your own. It's 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 that's the beauty, and that's where the tenure comes in. If you can come up with something that's interesting to people, you know, you have enough tenure that yeah. that your take is is worth people tuning in for, whether you have a guest or not. Yeah. So about that tenure thing again. Like I think that okay, how that tenure like so. Like just a place in the company, like yes. tenure should, yes. should you know give you, but you know not always a certain spot on the card. Totally, totally. Well, thanks, man. I always appreciate you uh, making time for me, and congratulations. I texted you congratulations, but I wanted to have yeah. a a full fledged conversation with you about this. I'm so excited. You know, I don't know if uh, we've ever talked about it or not, but Xbox did a very nice thing for me. WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans before I was, you know, anywhere near WWE or anything. The first time that I got to actually be close and stay in the same hotel as the WWE talent and hang out in the friends and family box at WrestleMania and all this stuff was because you invited me down the to WrestleMania 30. The they year. were trying not to give you a, a spot there either. I like to kind of go off a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. Like, yeah, I was like, no. <laughs> anyway, you know, here's the thing. Like, and I'm not like, Sam, I recognize greatness in you from the first time you interviewed me. And I'm not like, like you could sit there. I see you kind of going, oh, gee, shucks. <laughs> but, and on top of it, I just, I'm, uh, I'm really grateful for your friendship. And I just, I always, and, and you're just an amazing human being on top of everything. So I, I'm grateful for your friendship, Sam. And um, so, yeah. Thanks, you're, you're you're a good man, and I can't wait to I can't wait to to just be around and celebrate this with you, man. I'm really excited for it. Cool. All right. Thanks, I'll, man. Thank you. Here is Sam Roberts. Everybody needs an X-Pac in your life, you know. Everybody needs an X-Pac in your life. That guy, you know, I I can't even his story. He needs to have a movie written about him at some point. His story is so fascinating, and just the low that he went to. And the highs that he's on right now, I mean, you, you talk about good people in the wrestling business. 
X Pac is one of them. He's he's no matter what, he's always been a good friend, and I am so happy to see that guy going into the Hall of Fame. So happy, and I'm so happy that he's so happy to be going into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, there's no doubt in my mind. First of all, that's why the DX thing is so cool, and I think we talked about this, but that that really, obviously, Sean's in by himself. Triple H can and will go in by himself. But the New Age Outlaws, China, X-Pac, all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame by themselves. Think about what X-Pac has done. X-Pac, a member of the NWO, one of the original members, not one of the original, original members, but still one of the original members. Six-Pac was an important part of the NWO. Before that, the one, two, three kid, really the guy who at least brought cruiserweights to the mainstream on WWE TV. You know, there were, there were other cruiserweights before one, two, three kid, but not, not that were as much of household names as the kid was. And then to come back as X-Pac, I mean, the guy has had three impactful, major, huge runs over three very distinct eras. Three really important eras, you know? One, two, three kids, six, and X-Pac. And what's nice is that they're all sort of uh, uh, in line with each other. You know, it's not like he had to reinvent himself every time. He just evolved. That's the evolution of Sean Waltman as a wrestler. And I just think it's so cool, man. I remember as a kid picking up uh, old wrestling, uh, or they weren't old at the time, but grabbing wrestling magazines from the supermarket and just reading about uh, the Lightning Kid and then going home and turning GWF on ESPN and hoping that the Lightning Kid showed up because really for a small kid, like I was, I was tiny, man. The one, two, three kid was the one guy that made it seem like, oh, small guys can be wrestlers. Like, it isn't so stupid. Now, unfortunately for me, not only was I a small guy, but I lacked any sort of athletic ability whatsoever. So as it turns out, X-Pac has tremendous athletic ability. So that's where we part ways. But had I actually applied myself to athletics, maybe. You never know. Maybe. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, before we get into the state of wrestling, Big news dropped on Tuesday. The Honky Tonk Man. I'm just a hunga hunga honky love. Come on, baby. Whisper in my ear. Honky Tonk Man. Going into the Hall of Fame. Now, that's a big deal. Hall of Fame is really interesting. Because that's two entries already. Two. Going in this year that people wondered if they would ever go in. Honky Tonk Man was on that list of guys that it was like, ah, oh, no, I don't think they'll ever have Honky back. China was on that list of people. I don't think they'll ever want to acknowledge China. But you know what? Jeff Jarrett was on that list, and he went in last year and is now working for WWE. I mean, WWE is a it's a very open place, and, and that's always been kind of the legend that if it's right for business, WWE will do that. But all you have to do is look and see that it's true. Jeff Jarrett is working full-time backstage at WWE right now. You know, when, we, when he was here in the basement with me, when he was here in the Not Sam studio... He was as surprised as anybody was when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. But this year already to see two people go in that WWE or that fans thought would never be involved in a WWE thing again is is pretty remarkable. And it's fun. It it lets the fans know. and, And this is something I've been talking about for a long time. Part of the WWE network and WWE buying up the intellectual property and the tape libraries of WCW, of ECW, of the territories, of all this stuff, is that as pro wrestling evolves, 
WWE is becoming the historical site of pro wrestling. When you talk about wrestling history, it's all becoming WWE history. They're owning all of it. And it's not necessarily just so they can control the narrative. In reality, it's because they trust themselves to be responsible with the history of the industry. If anybody's going to put on a full-fledged wrestling museum, it's going to be WWE. If anybody's going to be the landmark Hall of Fame, it should be WWE. And in order to do that, you do have to go outside your comfort zone a little bit and make sure that everybody's represented. And I mean, you look at Honky Tonk Man, greatest intercontinental champion of all time, one of the most memorable over-the-top characters of the 80s, ended up in WCW as well. Like, I definitely think Honky Tonk Man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, so... uh I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. You know, already, I'm excited for DX's speech at the Hall of Fame. I'm excited for the Honky Tonk Man speech at the Hall of Fame. I think it's going to be a fun night. I think the Honky Tonk Man is a, a really interesting, good choice for the second person. We'll see as the weeks go on who else is going in. Of course, there was that rumor going around that the Hart Foundation were going in. First of all, you wonder if two groups, DX and the Hart Foundation, would go in in the same year. And second of all, if that's true, you've got Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels both getting rings at the same ceremony. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. We'll see what happens. That's just a rumor. We'll see. Lots of rumors going around. Lots to talk about. Lots to break down. A lot happened this week in the world of professional wrestling. And the only place we can do that properly is here on Not Sam Wrestling inside a segment that we call The State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Hey, welcome to the State of Wrestling. My God, what a week it's been. What a week it's been. Of course, by the way, if you want to watch the entire State of Wrestling on video, the only place to do that is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. The video of the State of Wrestling every week goes up for all of the Not Sam shills that are, uh, I believe, level two and above. There's the, it starts with the audio level. The second is the video level. Uh, you'll be able to, not only if you're a member of the Not Sam Shills, if you're a member at patreon.com slash Wrestling, is there an option to watch the full state of wrestling on video, but you can even watch it live as I'm recording it here in the Not Sam studio every single week. And the only way to do that is to be on Patreon. So go ahead and join us. Support the show, patreon.com slash Wrestling. Now, you know here on The State of Wrestling, we only do one thing, and that's break down this world of pro wrestling from the perspective of yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, and we do it with the top five stories of the week, according to me. So, and I think that this week, all five of the stories really kind of rotate around one somewhat central theme, and I think that that's the way to do it. For, for me, most of what this week spelled out rotated around one central theme. And we'll get into that as we go. But the number five story, and, and this is something that I've really been thinking about over the last, I don't know, 24 to 36 hours, basically since SmackDown. And it's the story of Asuka. And where the hell is Asuka? Where is Asuka? So I was totally okay. Last time, first we see Asuka at the Royal Rumble. And she makes... Becky Lynch tap out. On the same night that Becky Lynch wins the Royal Rumble and announces that she's going to WrestleMania to fight Ronda Rousey, only a few hours before that, she had had a match, opened the show, 
SmackDown Women's Championship, Becky Lynch versus Asuka, and Asuka not only beats her, but makes her tap out. I was not one of the people that had a problem with this. I thought this was great. I thought it was a good way to make Becky Lynch uh, come out looking like she was ready to start, really start this road to WrestleMania with Ronda Rousey uh, without damaging Asuka whatsoever. In fact, making Asuka look stronger on the way out of the Royal Rumble as well. Then, between the Royal Rumble and the Elimination Chamber, from one pay-per-view to the next, there was, you know, maybe a couple of vignettes for Asuka, but Asuka was not on SmackDown. Now, the first couple weeks, I was actually okay with it. I said, you know what? WWE needs to spend some time establishing the Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Ronda Rousey story, however that's playing out, that that story is the main story to concentrate as far as the women division goes across Raw and SmackDown. Now, if they're going to do that, it's going to make Asuka feel secondary. And they don't want to make Asuka feel secondary because she's a big, big star. So, while we're establishing this Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, whatever's going on here, let's just keep Asuka off TV. That way we're not pushing, we're not making what she's doing seem less important. She's just not doing anything right now. She's the champ. She's she's hanging out. And it's like, okay, couple weeks, two, maybe even three. But we get to the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And you've got all the women, for the most part, represented on that show. You know, you've got Becky Lynch doing the run-in. You've got Charlotte at ringside to watch Ruby Riot and Ronda Rousey. You've got the the Elimination Chamber women's tag match. So right there, what is that? Uh, four and two, so that's six. Twelve plus Charlotte, 14. 16 women represented at the Elimination Chamber. 16 women were on that pay-per-view. Asuka was not one of them. Okay. Asuka has been on SmackDown once since the Royal Rumble in January, and it was to get pinned by Mandy Rose. We find out this week that we are getting a match at Fastlane. It's Asuka versus Mandy Rose. Now look, I'm not sitting there going, it's outrageous that Asuka got pinned by Mandy Rose, blah, 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 blah. Clearly, there's an asterisk next to the pinfall that Mandy Rose made on Asuka. She used her bad guy techniques, got lucky. She had a lucky night. Asuka had an unlucky night. No problem. But then again, this week on SmackDown, there's no Asuka. Realistically, if we're dealing with the Asuka that we should that we used to deal with and that we should still be dealing with now, being that she's a women's champion that won the title in a triple threat match with Becky Lynch and Charlotte, and then made Becky Lynch maybe the most popular superstar overall in WWE right now, made her tap out at the Royal Rumble. So she took out Charlotte and Becky in a ladder match. Then she took out Becky via tap out to establish the fact that she is unquestionably and undisputedly the SmackDown women's champion and deserves to be called that. So in the meantime, she's not on TV at all. And it's been so long that realistically, when we see Mandy Rose versus Asuka, what does Mandy Rose have to be afraid of? We get the one narrative 
from the Raw Women's Champion, which is Ronda Rousey. And that's uh, a champion fights. I'm on Raw every week. I'm always fighting. If I can't fight my real opponent, Becky Lynch, I don't want to fight at all. Like, the ti- <laughs> it's the title, <laughs> the title, the title, the title. I'm a champion, I'm a champion, I'm a champion. And then you turn around and it's like, well, I guess there's a SmackDown Women's Champion, but all of a sudden Asuka has gotten Brock Lesnar's schedule. And it's just not around. And it doesn't give you this feeling of, oh, there's a a really strong, worthy, fighting SmackDown Women's Champion right now. Oh, Asuka is this terrifying thing. So Asuka comes to the ring, and she's dancing, and she's got her big fur coat on, and she's got rainbow-colored hair, and she's got bright animal print all over the place. And the only reason that works is because while everything is so bright and fun and over the top, underneath all of that is this vicious, dangerous competitor. And what we're seeing is everything on top, but no vicious, no dangerous, none of it. Mandy Rose should be terrified. Mandy Rose should be sitting there going, I don't know, man. I mean, I want to be the SmackDown Women's Champion. I want an opportunity at this title. But I don't know if I'm ready to put my body on the line against somebody like Asuka in a championship match. This could be really bad for me. This could be career shortening. I've never, ever had a threat in front of me like Asuka. This is scary. But nobody's feeling that. Nobody's sitting there going like, "Uh uh-oh, Mandy Rose is in a lot of trouble. I mean, honestly, if I told you Mandy Rose is probably going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship, you'd probably go, oh, yeah, SmackDown has a women's title too because Asuka's nowhere. And I'm not blaming Asuka because I'm a huge Asuka fan. But it's hard to be a fan of somebody when you can't see them do their thing. So... I can only hope that Asuka will retain at Fastlane and then we will use the time between Fastlane and WrestleMania to really, really sink our teeth into whatever Asuka's WrestleMania match is. I mean, the Asuka-Charlotte match a year ago at WrestleMania, people were actually surprised when Charlotte won. There was this real feeling that Charlotte may not be able to beat Asuka. Asuka's just going to, she's going to just roll over whoever she has to roll over. I mean, that's the that's the vibe that started in NXT. People at, at TakeOver San Antonio, when I think it was, San, or Dallas, TakeOver, no, it wasn't Dallas. I think, well, maybe it was Dallas. Yeah, it was TakeOver Dallas. At TakeOver Dallas, when... Asuka beat Bailey for the NXT Women's Championship all those years ago. People did not see that coming. They were like, what is this all about? And that was the beginning of the story of Asuka and creating this unbeatable female superstar the likes of which we've never seen before. And I'm not seeing that right now, even as women's champion. And the reason I'm not seeing that right now is because I'm not seeing her. And I think you got a lot of work to do as you head towards Fastlane and then WrestleMania if you want Asuka to be taken seriously as champion. And if you don't, if we're going, okay, we're done, Asuka's boring, we're done with Asuka, well then, 
Why go to all the trouble of having Becky Lynch tap out to Asuka if not to use it to make Asuka look like a million bucks? Because right now, Asuka looks like about 350. And that's because I've only seen her once since the Royal Rumble, and it's a loss. So we'll see what happens. The match was made official. It's Asuka versus Mandy Rose at Fastlane. If it were up to me, Asuka would make minced meat out of Mandy Rose. Just tear her up. Beat her, tap her out. Make it seem like, oh my God, what were what was Mandy Rose thinking entering into this competition? And then Asuka comes out on SmackDown and reminds everybody on SmackDown, oh wait, you guys probably forgot because I've been gone for a month and a half or two, maybe two months at this point. You guys probably forgot, probably a month and a half. None of you are ready for Asuka. Oh, that's right. And then we find out who Asuka's opponent will be, you know, and, and it could be a lot of people for WrestleMania. You have to believe that the women's tag title will be on the line too, uh, with Sasha and Bailey defending, unless uh, Nia and Tamina win the titles at Fastlane. But there could be a WrestleMania rematch between those two teams, or it could be a different team. You know, I'm not so against the idea of spending the next month building Sonya Deville and building Sonya Deville and building Sonya Deville. And maybe you've got a, 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 a tough fight between Sonya Deville and Asuka for that SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. You know, your other women's title match, assuming that Charlotte is involved with Becky and Ronda Rousey in that Raw women's title match. That's the thing. And, and we've talked about it with the WWE Championship. That... The luxury of having your big match, universal title, Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Your big match, Raw women's title, is Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte or Becky Lynch or Charlotte and Becky, whatever it is. Those are your two big male and female title matches, which means in the WWE Championship match and in the SmackDown Championship match, you can try some things. Just like last year at WrestleMania, they said, you know what? Since the big WWE Universal Championship match is Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, we can go ahead and we can do Nakamura versus AJ. We can do that for the hardcores and say like, whoa, this is the match that you never thought was going to happen. We're doing it. You know? You can try stuff. You can put Sonya Deville in a match like that because if you go, well, that's not really WrestleMania worthy. Okay, we'll see. Let's take a look at what Ronda's doing over here. You know, and as we look at what WrestleMania is looking like, it doesn't seem like we're going to be hurting for big names or big matches. Let's move on to story number uh, four. Speaking of stories and storylines and writers, news broke this week. I think I saw it on PW Insider, old Mike Johnson's website first. I think. I think that's where I saw it reported as first. Uh, that Bruce Pritchard was returning to the WWE creative team and not as a consultant or as a part-time, but he was, it says, and I don't know, I mean, you know, hopefully I'll see Bruce before long and I'll be able to ask or, or go to another show and catch the vibe or something. But, I mean, the internet is, is talking like Bruce is coming back to be Vince's right-hand man once again. Whether he's fully his right-hand man, or at least on a creative level, work right next to Vince McMahon. Kind of, I guess, head up creative. I don't know if he's officially heading up creative or if he's just the the person who 
Vince feels comfortable going back and forth with 24 hours a day. I don't know exactly what the relationship is going to be, but it's really unbelievable. You know, Bruce Pritchard, of course, has become very famous in the wrestling world uh, in the last two, two or three years because of his great podcast, Something to Wrestle With. That podcast, I mean, within the first few weeks, I was telling you guys, this is the podcast that you got to listen to. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, and I always make time out of my week for something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson. Conrad is exceptional at what he does. You know, not only uh, is he well-researched, but on his feet, he's a great conversationalist and asks all the right questions. Bruce has a tremendous memory for all the years that he was there, tells a great story, and luckily happens to be hilarious as well. It's just a very entertaining show, and I've been saying that since their show started. I didn't know how big it was going to be. I don't think anybody did, but it got big. But some of the stuff they talk about on that show, first of all, it's clear, especially in the early episodes, it's very, very clear that that show was not started with the thought, this will ingratiate us and and make us more friendly with WWE. This will get Bruce back in the door. If anything, it was like, look, Bruce, you got nothing left to lose. You're never going back to WWE. You might as well spill the beans, right? Bruce was the masked magician. Bruce decided to come out and say, look, I'm blackballed anyway. Here's what was really going on all those years in WWE. And somehow that that podcast just has gotten so popular. And I think people have uh, have gained an appreciation for what uh, guys like Bruce really did. Bruce and Pat Patterson and, and everybody, you know, that it, it's sort of highlighted even more so what the creative process is in WWE. Now, you know, Bruce was with WWE, I think, uh, from the late 80s until uh, 92. And then he got, uh, he was on sabbatical for a year and change, which, you know, I think was just because he was a, a, a rotten guy, not a nice person. Then he came back in 93-ish, late 93, and uh, stayed until the 2000s. I mean, he was there for, you know, to, to build the heartbreak kid and to, he was there for Doink the Clown and he was there for John Cena. I mean, he was there for Kamala and he was there for Kane and he was there for, you know, uh, 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 Muhammad Hassan. He was there for everybody, right? All these years. But he once again got fired in the 2000s. Um, there were, there he did a whole podcast about what the process was, but clearly it felt like his time was, was, was running out regardless um, and there was an incident, and he apparently had a, brought a gun or something to work, all this stuff. It just got very, very crazy. And I think Bruce, from all the years of doing what he was doing, was pretty burned out and, and wasn't adapting well to the way WWE was changing. And so he was fired and, and blackballed. He ended up working in TNA. He ended up doing a couple autograph signings, but at a point in his life, and we've talked about it with him on this podcast. You know, he's done this podcast many times. He did the live show uh, with us in Caroline's uh, over SummerSlam weekend. And he talked about the fact that he played Brother Love, and that was such a big part of his life while that was happening and, and afterwards. I mean, Brother Love is a one of is, – is an extremely famous character from the 80s. If you were watching wrestling in the 80s, you remember Brother Love. And he threw his Brother Love suit, the white suit and the red shirt and the white tie, threw it out his car window at one point. Because he was so done 
with the world of pro wrestling. But he starts doing this goofy podcast with Conrad Thompson. And all of a sudden, they have a show on the WWE Network. And all of a sudden, Conrad is heavily involved in StarCast and AEW. And finally, we get to uh, uh, the late February of 2019. And the rumor is that Bruce Pritchard is actually coming back to the WWE. Now, it's very, very clear to me that when the McMahons came out on Raw at the end of 2018 and they said it's time to shake things up, you know, everybody was kind of expecting a superstar shakeup. WWE has shifted creatively immensely since then. I mean, let's not even talk about the roster right now. Let's just look. You, I mean, you have to understand that everything that happens in WWE is happening deliberately. The creative team for a long time has been, you know, there, there's a, a, a couple of head writers that have been there and then a team of young people that are, you know, running around in suits, putting a, putting a show together. It is not sort of the poolside chats of the 80s and the 90s. To inject Bruce Pritchard, a, 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 a relic, if you will, a piece of, uh, of time gone by, into this new era of the way business is done, I believe that WWE and Vince McMahon are sitting there going, look, it's important to evolve and it's important to change. But we were doing some stuff right back then. We don't have to change everything we were doing. And I think what WWE is trying to do is figure out how to evolve properly in the sense that you don't shut off everything that you were. Let's bring in the good stuff from what we were and put on top of that the great stuff from what we are now. Combine it. Don't just say we were that, but now we're this. Well, let's find some middle ground there. Let's realize that as much as this is a PG family-friendly product, you've also got adults that are not willing to let this thing go. So why let go of that audience? And I think WWE is starting to not only figure that out, but really embrace that. I mean, there's a reason, I believe, why Alexa Bliss's segments are all done later on Raw. And that's because, I mean, Alexa Bliss has evolved, in whether you like it or not, into a pretty edgy character with some sexual overtones. You know, she was she, the way she was talking about EC3 a couple weeks ago, the way she was talking about Finn Balor, the stunt that they did with her in the dressing room. Clearly, they want to inject a little bit of edge into that, right? Look at the way Kayla Braxton and Charlie Caruso are being used on, on Raw and SmackDown, respectively, right now. It's a big difference from even a month ago. Especially Charlie. I think Charlie has taken it to it like a fish to water. I love Kayla, too. But I think Charlie, because she comes from a news background, and Kayla might also come from a news background, but... Um, she just comes across like uh, a reporter digging for dirt. You know, for a long time, the announcer's job, the backstage interviewer's job was, my guest at this time, Roman Reigns. Roman, what do you think of your match tonight? And then you just stare blankly, and then the wrestler does the talking. Now, we've got both, because I noticed Kayla was doing it this week on SmackDown as well. So clearly this is a new directive for what the backstage announcer role is. But they're allowing the backstage interviewers to be people who aren't just sitting there clearly being told, like they're not 
just a, 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 a piece of cardboard with a question written on it. This is a human being with a brain and thoughts, and they're putting these thoughts together and actually speaking to a person, and we're witnessing it. As silly as it sounds, it hasn't been that way in a long time. They've changed that. You know, I mean, look at the way Raw is done now. Every segment bleeds into the next segment. There's no sort of, that's the end of the segment, commercial break, start a new segment. It's promo, 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 the Riot Squad's music hits. We'll be back with the Riot Squad. Match, match, match. Oh, there's Alexa Bliss. We'll be back with her. Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss. You know what I'm saying. You know, everything is being done differently. And I think that it's all coming off of that uh, announcement that was made in 2018. I think that was serious. I think WWE is in a space right now of evolving into what they are going to be next. And you look at it, and it really makes sense. You know, coming out of the Attitude Era, the WWE had this period where it was a little mushy, and they were trying to find themselves. You know, and they were trying a whole bunch of things. That's when there were there were plenty of characters that came and went very quickly, people that popped into the main event and then exited the main event. But it was when John Cena and Randy Orton and Batista really kind of seized their opportunities. And every single time they performed, knocked it out of the park. And every single time they performed, tried to make it something memorable. Randy Orton was the best bad guy he could possibly be. John Cena, the best good guy he could possibly be. Batista, the best animal he could possibly be. And we didn't really enter into the era that we're in now until those superstars started taking shape. Because the reality is, we lost Stone Cold pretty quickly. We lost him from the ring without ever realizing we lost him from the ring. And after that, it was like cool to have him on TV but it's just not the same. The Rock, the same thing, and it happened in short order. You know, for the WWE to lose Steve Austin and The Rock, that's a huge blow. It's almost like losing John Cena and then losing Roman Reigns. And the WWE realizes, we got to do something here. We don't have the next guy ready to go. And honestly, who knows? If Roman Reigns really is that next guy, and even if he is, who's there with him? Is Roman Reigns the next John Cena, or is he the next Batista, or the next Randy Orton, or is he just something else? Is he just the first Roman Reigns? Either way, you need star power that's going to grow along the same lines, and maybe that's Seth Rollins with him. Apparently, Dean Ambrose is leaving, so who knows? But I think that that's the point that we're at now. I think that the WWE is changing and is allowing the change to happen and is in a place for the first time really since John Cena rose to fame 10 years ago where they're allowing stars to be built and they're allowing things to happen organically and WWE is allowing Time to do what time does. They're allowing these superstars to be created right now. And to me, that's why the roster looks like what it looks like. That's why, in short order, right? I mean, think about what's happened just over the last three weeks. 
You've had Kofi Kingston being pushed right up to the main event because we gave him the opportunity and it worked. Let's see it go. You know, you thought you had Lars Sullivan. What on earth happened to him? EC3, Heavy Machinery, Lacey Evans. You thought that crop of NXT guys were like, okay, that's the shakeup. But no, because you got Kofi Kingston in the main event. Alistair Black, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Ricochet. Up, Matt Hardy's back. You got the Hardy boys. Up, Kevin Owens is back in the main event. And oh, by the way, here comes Roman Reigns. And oh, by the way, Batista's back. So what are we doing here? People may say, well, this is too cluttered. This is too much. There shouldn't be all this going on all at the same time. But I don't buy that either. Because we don't know what's going to work, right? We can't just say, okay, we're going to call Aleister Black up and he's going to be a main event guy for a while. And then we're going to let Kofi Kingston be a main event guy for a while. And then Gargano's coming to be a main event guy for a while. And when he's done, Ricochet's going to be the main event guy for a while. That's not how it works. You want to find the guy or guys. You want to find that core that's going to be able to carry WWE for the next 10 years. You know, and you want to put, let's put it all out there. Let's put them all on the main stage and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Now that Roman Reigns is back, it was a given that Seth Rollins was going to be the next guy. He was going to WrestleMania and he was taking Roman Reigns' spot, quote unquote. But guess what? Roman Reigns is back now. So where does that leave Seth Rollins? Quite frankly, where does that leave Roman Reigns? What about these other guys? Finally, the Revival get the Raw Tag Team title. But guess what? Ricochet and Aleister Black are tearing up the tag team scene. And oh yeah, the Hardy Boys are back. Where does that leave them? You've got everything happening everywhere. And what, you, what the WWE is doing right now is they are setting up a scenario where they are allowing the cream to rise to the top. In my opinion, if you watch this show and you watch it carefully, now is the first time in a while where that brass ring really is hanging. And there really is opportunity for people to grab it. In my opinion, as a fan, there really is opportunity for people to grab that brass ring. I believe that the roster looks like it looks right now. From the out, for you know, some people for, through some eyes, you could say it's uh, it's it's uh, confused, it's 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 fuzzy, it's there's too much going on. But the reality is, there is so much there that nobody is allowed to be comfortable. No one is allowed to be comfortable in their spots. Not Seth Rollins, not Braun Strowman, not Daniel Bryan, not AJ Styles, not Finn Balor. Nobody is allowed to be comfortable in their spots. There is no more, well, you know, I put the time in, so now it's my turn. There's no turns. There's a couple of vacancies, and there's about 100 people ready to jump into them. Who is going to be accepted into those vacancies? That's up to us. That's up to the fans. But I believe wholeheartedly that what we're witnessing right now is this moment where it's not all about the new guys because we are, we're allowing things like Kofi Kingston to happen. We're allowing things like Becky Lynch to happen. 
We're bringing Kevin Owens back. We're setting him up for success. We're allowing the NXT guys to come to the main roster and shine. And who is going to come out of this? It's going to take a couple of months, I think. Probably several months. It might take the rest of the year. But when we get to WrestleMania 36, a year from now, everything is going to be different for the first time in years. And that's because opportunities being opened up. John Cena's gone. John Cena is gone, and the WWE had to taste what lunch was like when Roman Reigns wasn't at the table. So it's time to let nature take its course, and I believe that's exactly what the WWE is doing. And some people who I'm sure thought we're going to be like, well, yeah, it's my time. I'm going to go, and this is just the way things are headed. It's not going to happen for them. And some people that you thought, well, this person's not going to get a shot, they're the ones that are going to shine, you know? Who knows where this all goes? I mean, I was thinking about it last night. You had, you know, Nakamura has gone from headlining the Tokyo Dome to getting pinned in a tag match. He didn't even have to be the one that got pinned in that tag match on SmackDown. They could have pinned Rusev, but they pinned Shinsuke. Because clearly, the idea is we don't know what's going to happen with this guy. Clearly, based on his performance, the WWE is sitting there not saying the future main event scene of this company has Shinsuke Nakamura written all over it. They don't see that. And quite frankly, based on the landscape of the WWE, I don't either. I love Shinsuke Nakamura. But at this moment, I don't have that much to work with. You know? Immediately when I watch Aleister Black, out of the four NXT guys that most recently came up, immediately when I see Aleister Black, I go, He's, he could be the biggest star in the company. Alistair Black could be The Undertaker. I mean, Alistair Black is that guy. I get goosebumps when I see Alistair Black now. You know, I look at Ricochet, and I listen to Ricochet now, and I'm like, Ricochet could be the most loved guy on the roster. Alistair Black and Ricochet are just a, a money-printing machine. Together or not together, it's just they, they represent two different elements that are required for this thing called WWE. You know, and WWE has a huge opportunity in front of them this fall when they move SmackDown over to Fox and they're on network television and their their audience expands even more, you know? And quite frankly, competition's building. AEW is, is right here. This idea, we could easily see a version of, of this world of wrestling where... There is competition for WWE, and not every show or indie wrestling. I mean, a direct competition where there is another wrestling promotion that people like better than WWE and that uh, does big numbers. It's possible, very possible. And there's a lot of talent out there, you know? But, I mean, I, I think you look at a guy like EC3, and it's like he's not even on TV right now. But EC3 has to be sitting there and going, the minute, the minute that they put a camera in my face, that they put a microphone in my hand, 
or they plot me into that squared circle, I've got to shine like I've never shined before. The next time EC3 is on television, it'll be the most important television appearance he's ever made. The next time Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are on TV together, I mean, Ryder and Hawkins. There, I feel when I watch Ryder and Hawkins, I'm sitting there going, clearly the WWE wants to acknowledge that, look, these two guys are guys that have been here forever, but they're perennial losers. So what are they going to do? I don't think there is a higher plan for Ryder and Hawkins. You know, they're doing stuff online. They pop up on Raw every now and then. But I think WWE is saying like, hey, all right, let's see if you can get the audience interested in you. And if I'm Ryder and Hawkins, I'm sitting there going every single time, whether it's on YouTube or on Raw or whatever it is, we have to knock this out of the park. Because if we can prove that we're better and that fans like us more and that we're more dependable and we have more of the complete package than any of these other guys, we're only 33 years old. You know, these guys have been around forever, but they started so young. They could absolutely have their best run still in them. And I think WWE is providing the opportunity to get the opportunity, if that makes sense. But they got a lot of competition. You know, honestly, you're going to sit there and tell me, and this is what I mean about not everybody can be a main event guy. You're going to sit there and say Ryder and Hawkins. Wouldn't it be cool to see them win the tag titles again? Sure. Nostalgia is awesome. But if I told you Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins were going to beat Aleister Black and Ricochet, would you really be happy? Would you really think that that was the best thing WWE could do? If I sat there and told you Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins were going to beat the Usos, would you really think it was for the best? I don't think so. I don't think so. But who knows? We'll see how things evolve. We'll see how things twist and turn and change. But it really is an interesting time. And that's kind of the central theme that all of these stories here on the State of Wrestling this week have in common. That sort of change and what is going on with WWE. The number three story is the Ric Flair celebration. I thought it was done masterfully. You know, there's no reason, because Ric Flair is the guy that you would legit have a birthday party for on Raw. You know, when Ric Flair had his retirement ceremony on Raw after WrestleMania 24, when Shawn Michaels beat him and ended his career, there was nothing about that that was... uh uh, you know, wrestling. There was nothing about it that was like, uh, uh, um, oh, somebody's going to come and interrupt or there's cheating or there's whatever. Nothing. Nothing. It was, it's time to respect the legend. Ric Flair is the greatest of all time. It's time to pay the man his respects. 70 years old, going through a health scare. You got Sting in the building. You got Ricky Steamboat in the building. You got the 20-foot-tall balloon structures. And, like, you heard... Here's the beauty. The rumors that Batista were there were all over the internet. And some people were, like, annoyed that there were spoilers. Oh, I wish that had been a surprise. Look, I hate to break the fourth wall. And I don't know anything for a fact. Literally, I don't know anything for a fact. I'm not an educated man. But... WWE leaked the Batista information. Like, nobody knew that Ronda Rousey was there for the Royal Rumble. Nobody knew that the Hardy Boys were there for WrestleMania. When somebody wants, when WWE wants there to be a surprise appearance, there's a surprise appearance. They figure it out. 
I think that the fact that the internet knew Batista was at Raw was clearly the WWE knowingly putting that information out there so that people tuned into Raw. And genius, you know, good on you. I think it was the right move to do. But, you know, I, I, I certainly don't think that it was somebody that got information and then, you know, and then spoiled it. I think WWE decided to spoil it. And I don't, I'm, I don't mind it at all because it was still a surprise. Because Batista was part of Evolution. So was Ric Flair. The idea that Batista would be there for, I don't think anybody saw what was coming. I didn't see it coming. You know, I figured Ric Flair would come out and then maybe Randy Orton and Batista would join him there. Now, I did hope, based on what happened between Batista and Triple H on SmackDown a few months ago, I did hope that something was brewing between Triple H and Batista because, God, am I looking forward to that match. And if you had asked me five years ago, two years ago, if I wanted Triple H and Batista one more time at WrestleMania, I'd go, no, we're past it. It's over. But nope, wrong. After SmackDown 1000, and then this segment on Raw this week, Batista versus Triple H is one of the WrestleMania matches I'm looking forward to the most, assuming it's happening. Obviously, it's not official. But that appears to be where things are, are headed towards. Um, but yeah, I, I figured, okay, Ric Flair's going to come out, and then Batista and Randy Orton, the other two members of Evolution, will join them, and they'll have a nice moment. I did not realize that Batista was going to kick the crap out of Ric Flair and drag him out and blah, blah, blah. I just thought the whole thing was perfect. Batista was believable. Um, you know, Batista has said things in the past about not wanting to be back in WWE because of creative decisions, about not being invited to certain WWE things, about this, about that. He's the Batista is not afraid to be critical of WWE. So the fact that Batista was committing as much as he was makes me believe that he very much wants to be doing this in WWE right now. And, I mean, as much, I, I think that because of what the WrestleMania 31 really was, all the interviews that he's done since WrestleMania 30, and how great he is in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, plus the fact that, I mean, and this is going way off the ranch, this is, now we're talking way beyond wrestling, but the way he handled Marvel firing James Gunn, Disney firing James Gunn, and, and as a guy who is, you know, probably the least safe, out of the four Guardians of the Galaxy, going out there and being critical of Disney and saying you should be keeping James Gunn, blah, blah, blah. I just think he's such a, a down dude. He's just a cool-ass dude, and people have figured that out, that everybody's ready for a Batista return. And I like the angle they're taking, man. I thought the segment was great, and uh, it's going to be... I, I'm really looking forward to this Batista-Ric Flair, I mean, Triple H match. But again... That's going back to looking at the roster. It's like, who on the roster wants the big Triple H match this year at WrestleMania? Too bad it's going to Batista. Keep working. And that's all you can do. And speaking of keep working, that's also playing out in storyline. We saw that, and it's very similar to what went on with Charlotte and Becky. But we saw that with uh, Kevin Owens being put into the fast lane match with Daniel Bryan. And it would appear... The, it is going to be Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan. It's not going to be a triple threat. They're not going to change it at the last minute. It, unless they do it next week on SmackDown, Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan is the main event for uh, Fastlane. And I'll tell you, I'm interested in a couple things. Number one, I think something's got to give with Kofi. This whole, you know, it's okay, just shut up and take it, just smile and take it and keep working hard. BS. 
BS. If I'm Kofi Kingston, I am lighting everybody up. If I'm Kofi Kingston and have the ability to physically damage people, people are getting physically damaged for what I went through with that dangling the carrot in front of me and then snatching it away. That is BS and somebody's getting hurt. If I'm Kofi Kingston, everybody around me is getting a hurt real bad. Real bad. But instead, he's still doing what he's told. He's being a good soldier. At some point, Kofi's got to stop being a good soldier. I don't buy it. I'm interested. I'm still interested in where it's going. I'm not mad at it right now. But it's got to go somewhere because I don't buy the fact that he's just a good soldier. Um, so I'm interested in, in, in where Kofi's going. And I'm really interested in what Kevin Owens' character is right now. You know, I, I mean, I, watching his vignettes, I'm going to be back in a month. I'm going to be back in a month. And he's back a week later. Was he lying? You know, why did he keep bringing up his family? Why is he eating pizza and going bowling? You know, I, he, he looks amazing. I mean, he came back in some of the best shape I've ever seen Kevin Owens in. He looks fantastic. Um, and I, it seems like he's going to be a heel. I don't think that anybody's forgiven him for what he's done. I don't think that anybody can accept him as a good guy right now. You know, I think he's got to be a bad guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that based on what he's doing and how he's tweeting and stuff, he's not exactly embracing the villainry yet. I think he will, but I don't think he is yet. You know, this you, you could be setting up for a scenario where you want to do Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Personally, I still think the Daniel Bryan match is the way to go. Could be a triple threat match. Who knows? But I think ultimately... You know, ultimately, this disappointed a lot of people. Clearly, the fan support is behind Kofi Kingston. At this WWE, you know, if this has happened a year ago, I'd go like, I can't believe WWE screwing this up. This is ridiculous. But this WWE, again, is opening opportunity for people. Is allowing cream to rise to the top. And I feel like, ultimately, this is going to be amazing for Kofi Kingston. And maybe SmackDown was the moment that the WWE decided, that Vince McMahon decided that Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan is not my fast lane match. It's my WrestleMania match. I mean, and this is all because of a week before, this is three weeks. This is three weeks in the making and this is how far we've come. That realistically, Kofi Kingston could be leaving Giant Stadium, New Jersey, with the WWE Championship. That's the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. Literally, the only person that predicted that was Hot Dog. My young boy, Hot Dog. The only person that predicted that Kofi Kingston would go to WrestleMania, fight Daniel Bryan, and leave with the WWE Championship. But now, if you said, I think that that's what's going to happen, I'd go like, yeah, that's very, very likely. It's incredible. So I'm interested in seeing where the Kofi Kingston... How far, like, like, if they're able to spin this into a net positive for Kofi Kingston, which I think they will. I don't think it should be too difficult. And I'm interested in seeing what Kevin Owens looks like now since being gone in October. And, of course, Daniel Bryan working with all of it. It was just, you know, incredible in the role that he's in now. Speaking of being gone since October, my number one story of the week is obviously... And anybody who tells you this is not the biggest story in wrestling right now is out of their minds. 
is Roman Reigns coming out on Raw this week and announcing he's in remission. I mean, if that wasn't one of the greatest segments in Raw, I don't know what was. I've never seen anything that universally just cheered. Like, it's just good news. And it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know? I, I, I think that cancer and leukemia, it's just such a scary thing. And it's even more scary when you wrap your head around the idea that this guy who is like the idealized version of being in good shape, I mean as good a shape as anybody could possibly be in, as healthy as anybody could be, this is Roman Reigns. He's a superstar. And he is sick? This really could happen to anybody. You know, that's the feeling that you get. It's scary. And so to watch him beat this thing and watch him come into remission is awesome. It really is incredible. And to see just the genuine appreciation that he has for the fact that it was all love being thrown at him. And that appreciation is real, man. You know, I, I, I've spent, I've been lucky enough to spend a little bit of time with Roman Reigns. A, a, a very, you know, a very small amount of time socially and and a little bit of time in and around the locker rooms and, of course, all the interviews that we've done that, that I've shared with you. And, dude, this guy is as good as it gets. You know what I mean? You can like or dislike a wrestling character, but this guy is the real deal. He's not a douchebag. He's not there for the paycheck. He's not there to become famous. Roman, and, and as the years have gone by, Roman's appreciation and and respect for all things wrestling and WWE has only grown. I mean, Roman, more than anybody, I think, wants to be that top guy and wants to eat, sleep, and breathe WWE. He wants it. You know, I mean, the the... Being around him after he beat John Cena that night where it was like, okay, this is the crowning moment. I think it was a year ago, October, I want to say. Maybe 2017, maybe. But he was like on a natural high after that match. And it wasn't... Like, it, it, it was because this is a guy who is literally living a dream. There's no place he'd rather be but in the top spot of WWE. He wants to be that role model. He wants to be the guy. He wants to lead the locker room. He wants to be that guy that in, in 20 years, I would imagine he wants to be the guy that Mark Henry is today, the guy that is going around and protecting the business and, and, and making sure that this thing lasts for generations and generations and generations. He's just, he's a good guy. You know, he's a good dude. And he's the type of guy that you want to see good things happen to, and he works hard for good things to happen to him. So I'm really happy to see it. You know, it's pretty gross. There are people that are, are, are a lot of people on Twitter, which I don't think the people on Twitter that are saying it really believe it. You know, the thing about opinions on Twitter is that because you get to be anonymous on Twitter, you could just say stuff. So a lot of times you'll read somebody's opinion on Twitter. It's not even their real opinion. They just want to put it out there. And they know they can because it's anonymous because it's on Twitter. But like this uh, conspiracy theory 
that there is that there uh, that this is a work or that you know this is just convenient and he's back for WrestleMania time and blah blah blah. There was a great series of tweets put out by uh, the Leukemia Foundation, which I retweeted, um, explaining why there's nothing suspicious about what's going on with Roman Reigns and and you know this is a story of of hope and positivity and all this stuff that really shouldn't be befuddled uh, or 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 um, confused by adding in elements of conspiracy theory. You know, it's just kind of gross when that happens. But so happy, so happy to see Roman Reigns back. And again, just like uh, everyone else, I'm so interested in seeing where exactly he fits in with the show that we've got right now that's known as WWE. That's it, folks. Don't forget to subscribe uh, to the podcast and uh, join us on Patreon. Support the show. It's the best way you can support the show. Sign up, be a Not Sam Show, patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. It starts at only four bucks. You get bonus shows, you get video, you get everything early. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's it's the greatest thing you could do. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. We will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Review and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam.